3: You are listening to episode 68 of Star Wars Bookworms. I am your host, Teresa Delgado, and with me is my co-host, Aaron Goins. What's up,
2: Aaron? Nothing much, Teresa.
3: Hey, good matching me on that. We could be a band. No. (laughs) No, we could It takes
2: more than two to be a band.
3: That's true. Well, that's a good thing we have who we have on our show today. The two people that we have on our show, one... They were nice enough to give us a place to have Star Wars bookworms. And two, for some reason they've never been on our show. Oh, I know why. Cause they don't read. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> That's they do, not just fair. not uh, just not fast enough. <laughs> <laughs> so true. It is Riley Blanton and Bethany Blanton, who I just call B. So what's hey. up, B? Uh, well, I, that. I'm, I'm on this really cool
0: podcast that's a uh, name outside of Star Wars also begins with a B, which is Bookworms. So I feel at home. I feel at home, and like I should have been here a long time ago, except that I don't read fast when it comes to Star Wars because I have you to mean- read for school.
1: Guys, yeah, yeah, so excited you to be here. Uh, you have no idea. I, I, the, Star Wars Bookworms. Like, I, I, this. I've been reading all the new canon. I caught up on every single book in the last week, just in preparation for not, tonight's episode. Today's is the Big Lords of the of the Sith, right? Right. <laughs> right.
3: Right. Yeah, uh, you are a liar. Liar, liar, cat- liar pants Christina on fire.
1: Jim Lucino's the man. Catalyst talk. Yeah.
2: So, what did you think about the ending of Catalyst? Uh, the, that
1: that one part where um that one part where that yeah. one thing happened. I'm (laughs) I'm, I'm terrible. I'm always so far behind you guys. But seriously, no. Uh, It's such an honor to have uh, you guys as a part of the Star Wars Report. And I'm just glad that we get to both be on. And frankly, honestly, guys, uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, we're siblings. And if you got one on before the other, like, you know, the whole whole staff and website at the Star Wars Report would just crumble. Like, it would have been infighting. It would have (laughs) been,
3: (laughs) <laughs> terrible, terrible. Well, we are actually here not to talk about a book, so you guys are in luck. Woo, woo Y'all, you know, that pressure's off. You didn't have to read all of that stuff today, Riley. I told you, you didn't have to do it.
1: Uh, well, what can I say? Uh, <laughs> we're talking about the Force Awakens, then, right? Just rewatched.
3: Yes, yes. We we rewatched the Force Awakens, so we're going to talk about that again. Uh, no, we're going to talk about Rogue One. And I can't wait to do it because I've been dying to talk to all three of you about Rogue One. And really quick, I know Star Wars Report did a show, correct? We did. Okay. Um, Aaron, have you been on a Rogue One breakdown show yet?
2: Not completely. We did a like a mini little review at the beginning of the last episode of Star Scavengers, but literally it was less than three minutes. So this is my first like full-on Let's talk about every detail of the movie podcast episode.
3: Okay, cool. So, Riley and Bethany, you have one under your belt. I have done Fangirls Going Rogue, and I did a real short segment with Geek Out Loud. So, this is going to be like my... And Fangirls Going Rogue was pretty short, too. So, this is going to be my first like big dive in. So, I want to start with this one question. Your immediate feeling as soon as the movie was over in like we have one sentence. Aaron
2: My immediate feeling was wow that was really good and better than I thought it was
1: gonna be (laughs) nice along with the the stunned silence beforehand. (laughs)
2: Yeah that came along with it. No you don't say that kind of stuff, Riley I edit out the silences. Oh oh sorry
3: All right, Bethany, you you are up.
0: I, I had several incoherent thoughts at the end of Rogue One. So my initial reaction was just feeling stunned, which does not qualify as an actual sentence. Uh, my first sentence was probably something along the lines of, wow, that was so good, it rivals The Force Awakens, if not well, beat for me.
3: Yeah, so my initial sentence is the same as yours, actually, and Riley
1: uh bethany and i we we walked out of the the initial screening we were at together and it was such a whirlwind experience that there is a there is almost a sense that i wasn't ready for how good it was like my expectations had gotten really high so walking out of the theater um i would i would have thought that there's no way it could have beaten them but it did like it's really, really good. Like, I was just sitting there just saying, did I just see what I just saw executed the way I just saw it? And, like, we'll get into all the details, but, like, I have like I have one, there's one succinct takeaway for Rogue One, but it doesn't qualify as just one sentence, uh, and it's all about that last 20 minutes.
3: hmm Yeah, that last one, 20 minutes was intense, but you brought up a good point. Uh, expectations. So let's talk about that going into it. Uh, Bethany, what were your expectations like going into Rogue One before you saw it? I, I expected it to be
0: a good movie, but I didn't necessarily expect to love it in the way that I love Star Wars movies because I didn't think it would feel like a Star Wars movie. You know, there are no Jedi. There, We have, <laughs> I thought, really no use of the Force. Um, none of the mythical aspect of what to me is that core aspect of the star Wars movies. So I thought this is going to just be a war movie set in the star Wars universe, which is going to be cool and it'll probably be really good, but it's not going to capture me the same way that, you know, the force awakens or any of the other star Wars movies did. And I was wrong.
3: All right. Uh, Riley, you said your expectations were high. Do you want to sort of expand on that? What do you mean by high?
1: So, um, uh, everything about this movie is colored through the fact that I did this absolutely nutso, uh insane project where I did a nightly live stream and podcast counting down to it because I'm that crazy about uh, Star wars Uh And so, like, as uh, I was prepared for this to really just, I mean, this is an experience experimental film right that's what i was expecting but as the each new tv spot and lord knows there were a lot of new tv spots uh it came through and i kept seeing more and more of the uh the galaxy i liked and the way the war was taking shape with these new characters i was just getting super super hyped for the film to the point where i do think that the the expectations it, they did level off in the last week um, because I, I was just feeling like I was getting too amped a, after a certain point. But but yeah, expectations play such a central role into into the way you see the film. And 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 here's another thing: up to the last week, even they were still releasing tons of marketing material and elements of the film that just didn't show up in the final film. So in some ways. Uh, I liked the amount of surprises that we got from the late edits in the film as well. So I, I guess I guess that's my if I were to succinctly put it, the way the film developed on screen during the movie was such a beautifully surprising uh, experience compared to what I was seeing in the in the nightly hype building up to it.
3: And Aaron, what about you? Where, where were your expectations at?
2: Um, I think. I definitely wasn't at the same level I was for going into the force awakens going into the force awakens. It was just, I was literally giddy uh, about it and just
1: Aaron. I remember you boldly proclaiming it would be your favorite star Wars film.
2: Yeah. And I thought it was going to be. Um, and it's just, we have that, that idea that we didn't think there was going to be any more star Wars. And then suddenly we got more star Wars and I just was so excited about where they were going to go with the future. You know, it's, We don't know what happens after Return of the Jedi. And this is the first, like, canon version of it on film, you know, with Harrison Ford and all that stuff. So it was, like, I was giddy. For this movie, it was more, I was like, okay, cool, it's a Star Wars movie, so I'm going to like it, because I love Star Wars, and I love just about everything that has the word Star Wars put on it. So I knew I would like it. So my expectations were, I'm going to really like this movie, but it's probably not going to be anywhere near the level of my enjoyment of some of the other elements of Star Wars uh, because of what the subject matter was. You know, kind of this war-type film. There's not going to be any Jedi. And so I was just like, hey, you know, it's going to be cool. But I was pretty middle of the road as far as hype.
3: Okay, yeah, and so for me, I my expectations were super low. I had pretty much avoided anything and everything related to Rogue One because I just wanted to see it when it came out in the movie theater and so I really didn't know what we were going to get, and I didn't know how much of a war movie it was going to be. Aaron and I talked about it on episode 67 of Bookworms that I was really sort of like, okay, my what was my level? Uh, what did I say, Aaron? It was like a four <laughs> on the excitement
2: scale. Yeah, you said it was a four, and I gave you a hard time for that.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Plus, Since- I think we were talking about how, like, you were at a 4 and i was, you know, pretty excited when we were recording it so i was just like wanting to get you hyped up more because i was like she can't be at a 4 this is a star wars movie you should like by default you should start at 7
3: <laughs> yeah but i didn't i started at like a 4 and what's interesting is that i think because my expectations were so low I enjoyed it even more because it didn't have to do anything for me in order to be awesome. It just had to be the movie that it was. And so that, for me, made it amazing. So we all kind of came around saying we were sort of breathless, I guess, after the movie and sort of didn't know what to think. Uh, Did anybody have a favorite character before you went into the movie? Or somebody you thought was going to be your favorite I thought that Jin was going
0: to be my favorite character, and then I thought that probably Cassian, Cheerrit, or K2, which like I know I realize that's a long list, but I thought that they might be like my second favorite.
3: And so then what happened after the movie?
0: For me it was Jin with very, very close to Cheerit. And after seeing it a third time, honestly the two of them kind of tie for me for my favorite character.
3: Okay, Aaron, what about you?
2: Because of the late marketing, um, and they were basically playing all the punchlines that K2SO had, I, I was really enjoying what I was seeing in the trailers and the TV spots for K2SO. So going into the movie, I was prepared to really, really like that character, and it, it came to fruition. I really, really thought that was a unique and funny character, brought levity to a movie that has a lot of you know sad and dramatic things happening. So, yeah, going in, I thought he was gonna be my favorite character, and it, coming out, I, he was still my favorite character.
3: And ready?
1: Yeah, hands down. K two S O is such a delightfully—he's like this beautiful hybrid of C three P O and H K forty seven from Knights of the Old Republic. Um. Uh. And and uh, yeah, I just there's something about like we saw the third for the third time last night, right, Bethany? I believe it was last night. Yeah, uh, Bethany nodded for the listeners on the podcast. <laughs> um, Bad but, habits, uh, but but there's something about it. Even on, in the middle of a Wednesday night screening, the theater was absolutely packed, and all of the punchlines. This is not like the opening night crowd. This is just sort of the the holiday week uh, family crowd, and. He's he's a riot. He just steals the scene uh, in every sequence that he's in, and I just love Alan Tudyk's um, uh, subtle performance because it would be really easy to turn him into like a walking punchline. <clears throat> Attack of the clones. <clears throat> um, but he he wasn't. There there are so many poignant moments where uh, he kind of shows into the sharp relief how dire things really are in his own very K two S O A.
3: Makes sense. Yeah, so for me, I didn't really have a favorite character. I knew I was going to like Jen, but I didn't know if she was going to be my favorite. Turns out she's not. And K2SO, while I love him, he's not my favorite. It's actually Cherit. And I was no, no. surprised. But also not surprised that I would love *Cheer* it. So let's jump into some of this. So, Bethany, earlier you said that you weren't sure that this movie was going to be a Star Warsy because there wasn't the use of the Force and no Jedi and things like that. But let's talk about the Force in this movie. Aaron, you are such a big like Jedi, like the Jedi is it's your thing and you love them. <laughs> what did you, th- you say that it like it's you- a bad thing? No, it's just, I think out of the four of us...
1: Yeah, yeah, what's probably... on, Aaron? You Jedi lover? <laughs> <on>.
3: Jedi lover. <laughs> They're so cool! What do you think about the use of the Force and how the Force was pro- portrayed in this movie?
2: I think... You
0: Jedi apologist, you. Yeah. Um,
2: <laughs> I think that, for me as a fan, anytime I go to see a Star Wars movie, there are certain elements that I want to see in that movie for it to be Star Wars to me. And the Force is a big thing about that. Lightsabers, the Force, Jedi, Sith. And since there was very little of that, but there was some, there was very little of that. It was a little bit of a, a weird experience to watch this movie because it felt so foreign. Um, But I did like the way they, they talked about the Force. I mean, right at the beginning, you have the scene where she gives Jin the the kyber crystal and she says... You know, I forget the exact words, but something like "May the Force be with you." It's um, the Force, yeah. And, and you know, so the Force was part of the movie. It just wasn't as obvious as it is in a lot of the other films. Uh, and I enjoyed that. It, w- it was different, and I did miss it, but I did still enjoy how they used it, cheer it. Obviously, and we can talk about if he has any force sensitivity or not. But I felt like he was kind of the Jedi of the movie, even though he wasn't really a Jedi. Uh, So it it still worked for me.
3: So let's talk about Chirrut. Riley, for you, do you think that Chirrut was Force-sensitive at all? Or what do you think about his connection to the Force?
1: What I loved about Chirrut is the way he sort of shone a new light on on the force in the way we haven't really seen in any of the saga films. Like it certainly I've, I think appeared in lots of the old uh, expanded universe before. but um, I loved just seeing sort of the everyman's connection with the force because my my interpretation of it was definitely seeing Chirrut Who's been so faithful to the will of the Force, almost in this more traditional religious sense, that there's a much more sort of active will of the Force. You know, all is uh, you know all is as the Force wills it. That kind of smiles upon him. Um, it there's this this quote I really love uh, that I think applies perfectly to uh, to Chirrut, and that is, fortune favors the bold. And and for Chirrut, uh, he the Force was shown favor on him many times. Very explicitly, that makes me think. I don't think necessarily that he is any more Force sensitive than someone that than someone. I guess I hate to say average, but than anyone else who might be selected to be some sort of Temple Guardian or Guardian of the Wills. He may not have the strength or the connection of the Force that a Jedi would have. Uh, like, he may he may not have made a high enough score on the Force SAT to make the cut for the Jedi Knights, but I still think that he has a strong connection that is as much about his uh, service of the will of the Force as it is about, like, you know, to, to bring up the awful M-word, the midichlorian count, right?
3: There's nothing wrong with midichlorian counts. I'm sorry, I don't have a problem with that at all. Uh, <laughs> well, and
1: to be honest, I don't. I hate the way it's overblown too. But but certainly, in terms of like the scientific definition of who could or couldn't be a, a Jedi Knight, I think that it's as much about that as it is about his willingness to sacrifice himself for a greater cause. And in his per- point of view, that's the will of the Force—a very Qui Gon Jinn kind of outlook.
0: Hmm.
3: So yeah. go ahead, Bethany.
0: Oh, see, I think Chirrut is force sensitive in the sense that I think he can use the force. It's not just that the force is with him in the sense of approving of his actions or being kind of like the powers that be in the Lord of the Rings, where when Gollum loses the ring, it's it was intentional. You know, it's not a coincidence uh, or an accident. And so, I love the portrayal of the force in this movie. Is you don't have to be a powerful force sensitive or even really a force user at all to have the force on your side, because with Jin and her trust in the force, the way that she pulls out her Kuiper crystal, and it's not just a memo or, or like a memory of her parents. I think that it is something that she draws strength from having. uh, And it's what draws Chirrut to her. And, you know, Chirrut is the obvious example as well, but Throughout the entire film, there are so many things that could have easily gone r- wrong with the Rebels' missions. And they could have failed and left the galaxy in darkness under the reign of not just the Empire and the Emperor, but also a, f- a functional Death Star uh, with no way to know how to destroy it. And, I mean, it was a suicide mission, yet they succeeded and that is against all odds because of the will of the force was with them. But there's there are two scenes that lead me especially to believe that Chirrut isn't just the Star Wars version of Daredevil, um, and that is he senses when Cassian is going to go kill somebody, mm-hmm. and he also um, senses the kyber crystal around. Jyn's neck.
3: Yeah, I think those are two very those are two very important points. And for me, I really do think he is force sensitive. I don't think he's force sensitive in the way that we know Jedi, which are that there are two things. Obi Wan kind of says it in A New Hope, where Luke says, "So it obeys my commands," and he said, "Well, sort of. It also, you know, it controls what you do while obeying your commands." And I think that that's a super important point because. I think Chirrut is one of those that he has the ability to use the force and move through the forest, similar to the way that I believe that... Uh, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on the Ewok's name at the moment. Uh, help me out, Chief, help me out.
2: Chief Chirpa? Chief,
3: Chief Chirpa, okay, okay. yeah. <laughs> that I think that Chief Chirpa, while he's their medicine man, right? He's the one that's their medicine man, right?
2: Uh. You I would know myself. better than me. <laughs> I, just, well,
1: I think. I think out. so.
3: I think. I think so. And people can correct me if I'm wrong. But essentially, we have Ewoks that also use the Force, and they know. use the Force in he, different ways. And you know, using it to help heal and to help do to do that kind of thing in in their life on their planet. Whereas Chirrut uses it to be able to move through and protect and be a guardian. And I think that he is Force-sensitive, just not the same way that a Jedi would be. And I think that we all, if you think about it in our terms, it's sort of like the sixth sense sort of thing. We all have the capability to be open to that part of the world that we live in the problem becomes whether or not our brain can be open you know and we unlock that part of our ability in our in our mind to be able to do that that's a personal belief of mine and I think it works the same here in Star Wars and Bethany you brought two good points those two scenes are super important that he can feel the force moving and he can it's almost like he can see the force like while he can't visually see it because he's blind he can see the force similar to Kanan who can see and move through the force now Kanan might as well not be blind anymore in my (laughs) opinion he does too much stuff
2: can I I add to what Bethany was saying about the force kind of intervening in events Um, there was something that I noticed so how many times has everybody seen the movie now are we all on three? three three Okay. So we've all seen it three times. So today, I just saw it today for the third time, and I noticed something I didn't notice before in the first two viewings that kind of goes along with what Bethany was saying. But there's a scene when they're first trying to go through the shield, and they're using, you know, they're trying to trick the Imperials into thinking that they're supposed to be there. Um, There's this, while um, Bodhi is talking to the Imperial, uh, Jin actually pulls out the Kyber Saber crystal. Or the Kyber crystal, and holds it in her hand, mm-hmm. kind of almost like she's like, you know, channeling something through there. And so I thought that was interesting, kind of what Bethany was saying, how how Our crystal's she... the intergalactic
1: rabbit's foot. Is this a discovery? <laughs> I I would I'm all of, if so I'm all about that, and I want to buy them right now. I think that there's
2: definitely some sort of a connection to the force through the Kyber crystals. And that's why the Jedi use them so much. And so I just, I feel like there were some scenes where it was very clear that the, the force as almost like an entity in and of itself was intervening in these events as unlikely as it was that they would be successful. The force, love- the force
1: was on their side. I love that idea. I really like the idea of that element of the force being in a star Wars movie. Yeah. Well,
3: and in, Go okay. ahead, Teresa. Well, I was just going to say, like, I. I think, Aaron, you have a really good point, because let's think back to Catalyst. I know, Riley and Bethany, you haven't read Catalyst, but Aaron, think back to Catalyst when okay. Lyra Le- Urso is saying there's a reason that the Jedi have not tapped into the mm. immense powers of the kyber crystal, that they are only, they're guarding it, they're protecting the kyber crystals from being used, and the reason being is that because if you unleash the massive power of a kyber crystal, you get something like a Death Star, for example, and the kybers in my opinion they have such a they are like the purity of the force in a way i don't know if you kind of like with this movie if you sort of would agree with that aaron
2: yeah i i agree and i think um there is a major focus right now on the kyber crystal across all of star wars media you know yeah. there there's elements of it in rebels and the novels and the comics and now this movie is such a huge part of it and even the down to like the lego freemaker adventures you know the, the oh yeah the entire search for the kyber saber and how powerful it was and they needed to make sure they were keeping it out of the emperor's hands and so yeah it's it's this new focus that this element called a kyber crystal was something that was not a part of star wars storytelling um, other than a very old EU novel, uh, Splinter of the Mind's Eye, but it was a completely different said. thing.
3: Well, it goes back to Ahsoka. Um, have either of you guys read Ahsoka?
0: I have not. No. Every I, page. I mean, I. I <laughs> Every
1: page.
3: I, I've
0: heard I started of it. Bits and pieces. I of did it. start
1: it, so, <laughs> to be fair. Yeah. I got about a chapter in.
3: Well, so there's a. They talk about the Kyber crystals in Ahsoka, and. Aaron, it's interesting. You know how they talk about the kyber crystals bleeding? Yes. Almost like they have that ability to bleed. And that that's how a kyber crystal becomes red for a Sith is because the evilness of a Sith and what it's making the kyber crystal do against its will makes it bleed. Thus it turns red. Uh, They talk about that. They also talk about... Ahsoka being able to find her kyber crystals because there's a connection to them that each individual has, each Jedi has, that they can hear like the song of their kyber crystal, and it and it calls to them, and they can find them. And it's it's so. This whole kyber crystal thing is amazing. <laughs> like, I need more kyber crystal information. Yeah. Well, I need a to remember, I need a book.
1: Yeah, the important about kyber crystal. To remember is definitely the um. Uh, I mean, the strongest stars do have parts of Kyber. Yes.
3: (laughs) You know, but I think there's something to that. Oh, yeah, it's a throwaway line.
1: No, yeah.
3: No, and I don't think it necessarily just means the strongest stars as in a celestial star. I think while it does reference Death Star, while it does reference planets, you know, maybe Ilum and some of the other places, it's also the strongest stars. It could be a person have heights have hearts of kyber meaning that your your inner self exudes the force thus you are made of kyber you know in a way which i and maybe that's stretching but like i feel like it fits
0: well i don't think it's stretching because it's no accident that her nickname is stardust Hmm. And it's no accident that Chirrut is saying that to her. I mean, some people think that saying the strongest stars are made of Kyber is like a a reference to or foresight of the Death Star, which makes sense. But it would also make sense for that to be a direct reference to Jinn.
1: It
3: it does. The only thing I have, and Erin, correct me if I'm wrong is Galen nicknames her Stardust because of her eyes when she's a baby.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, mean, that's definitely why her nickname is Stardust, but I think symbolically it means more, probably more on the the writing of the film than kind of in-universe.
3: Yeah, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. So, you know, as we talk about the Force and how it impacts all of this stuff, um, let's just talk about the story because it's a very, very basic story. It's exactly what Bethany said earlier. It's a suicide mission. It's people that decide to go and do... They go and get the Death Star planes. We know how it's going to end. Essentially, we know how this is going to start. We know how it's going to end. And I did see some people online talking about that that sort of took away from the film. How, Riley, how do you feel about that? The fact that we knew... Essentially, it's beginning and its end.
1: Yeah, it's. A, you know, I mean, I don't. I don't know. I feel like, I feel like we didn't because the the story is not, uh, you know, rebel spaceships flying from a hidden base have won their first victory against the, the Galactic Empire because we know that from the opening crawl of A uh, New Hope. Uh, for me, the story was about uh, these character struggle and the cause, uh, the the birth and. Uh, growth of the cause against the empire, and that's what encapsulated the story. So, it wasn't just about the suspense of like, oh, who's going to die? Who isn't? Um, it was. It was about um, fighting back against the empire in the way that was born in a way that we've never seen before. So, I, I certainly understand that criticism. And there, it, here's the thing with me: I, I love this movie. Like, it's so good. Um, I really, really. Like it almost irrationally so in the in the fact that like a lot of the legitimate nitpicks that I've seen, and that I've certainly noticed upon subsequent viewings, I just didn't notice at all at first, uh, and so for me that this definitely fits in that category because like I didn't even think about that uh, as an issue the first time I watched the film, but I can certainly see why. I that's a conversation that I think would be worth having. You know, when you're deciding which to which film to make the first spinoff film, but once they overcame that. Uh, idea when they decide to do the story, I'm all up for it.
2: I think Star Wars Rebels kind of has the same thing going on with it, where you have these characters that previously we had never heard of, and we know that we kind of know that they can't necessarily be around, or at least some of the characters that are involved. Um, we know where it's going, but it's still highly entertaining because of the storytelling. Um, and I, f- I felt the same way about Rogue One. Although we knew that they were going to get the plans because they had to. You know, this is the story of how they get the plans. So we knew they were getting the plans. How it all came together, the characters that were involved, that was something that was still interesting enough to me that I didn't necessarily care. I already knew the ending.
3: Okay. And, Bethany, what about you? Did that? Did the fact that we knew what was going to happen bother you or make it something less of a film for you?
0: It didn't. I, and I I know that, well, films that are completely spoiled for me, as in like, I know what's going to happen in the plot and I know what happens in the end, even though I haven't seen it, it, that can mess it up for me. But honestly, films that are really good, that doesn't have an impact on me. I mean, I watched the entire Lord of the Rings trilogy and it's, To this day, some of my favorite movies on this planet, and I had already read the books multiple times. So the same way for me, knowing that, oh yes, they get the plans, and it's probably somewhat likely that a lot of them die. It didn't spoil it to me because I didn't know how they got the plans. I didn't know who might die and how they might die and all of these details that make the story what it is. And I mean, we had joked, even though I didn't want to believe it, we had joked multiple times and most people were like, eh, they're all going to die.
1: Yeah, that was my whole thing on Star Wars Tonight. I was literally, yeah. every night I like, just remind you everybody, they're all going to die. Of course, I had no inside knowledge, but that was what I was preparing myself for.
3: Well, that's what I said. Aaron didn't want to believe me either. I told him they were all going to die.
1: No, and I I
2: get why people were saying that, but the reasoning behind it was I felt that like the logic was flawed. Like they don't have to die; they could have made that same movie and had a few of those characters survive. But uh, they
1: in the same wouldn't have been the same.
2: And I that's that's your opinion. I think that I think I've actually talked to people who were their biggest gripe with the movie was that everyone died because they felt like um, you know the story of hope you know was great but it was such a downer that all these characters that you've kind of came to love died that it kind of hurt their enjoyment of the movie I'm not one of those people but I have talked to people that have had that reaction so I you know I don't I didn't think going in that they definitely all had to die
1: sure Um, yeah and and actually if I could I could I give my thoughts on, on said people yeah.
3: Well, hang on really quick. I mean, I know I know who I know what Aaron's talking about. And one of them is uh, I talked to her about it is Jonah Marie. Yeah. The she she very much believes that. And I have I'm going to chime in on this in a minute. Rale, I'm going to let you talk first. And then I have thoughts.
2: <laughs> I'm gonna let you finish.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 because it it was a tough decision, I'm sure, because it's not very Star Warsy to just kill off. It's it's very George R.R. Martin, uh, like it, it it's a sort of modern fantasy trend almost to have this kind of wanton uh, death and destruction. But in this movie, I felt it served a purpose, and that wasn't just to have an impact on the story itself. Um, the 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 important part of this movie is the cause. It's not even the characters, in my opinion. Like, and that's why. I think that some of the characters are a little bit shortchanged in a way that wasn't the case with the force awakens. And even saying that, I still love this movie even more. Uh, and that's because of the cause, like the ending of this film where we have literally everybody die. And I'm sure we're going to go through the different characters and, and their, and their arc. But the important thing is that everyone has an important sacrifice that's central to the, the cause of the film. And it echoes a new hope in a, in a sort of dark inversion uh, in a way that I think it kind of has to, to build up to a new hope because you have essentially what's a, if I could just, kind of illustrate a basically story trench, like if, if you think of the trench run in A New Hope, you have this set path that they have to, this sequence of events that has to happen to get the plans uh, beamed up to Admiral Akbar's second cousin. And uh, to make that happen, uh, each character has his own, own, like, really poignant uh, moment that builds upon itself. Uh, K2's sacrifice builds to Bodhi's sacrifice, which builds to the ultimate sacrifice of Cassian and Jin. and that's not even the point of the movie. The point is not the tragedy or the sacrifice at the end. Let us not forget that there was a bold choice. We didn't see these brand new favorite characters that we've seen nothing but the centerpiece of the marketing for the last four months. Uh, We didn't see them face off against the ultimate baddie. Like, it would have been extraordinarily tempting from a storytelling perspective to just bring Vader down to have the ultimate showdown between the heroes and villains. But that's not the point of the movie. The point of the movie is the sacrifice of these everyday rebels, ultimately illustrated by the fact that they don't end with the character sacrifice. There's the whole final Vader scene, which isn't about Vader being awesome and a BA, which he is. But it's about these everyday rebels making the ultimate sacrifice for just that slim slim window of light that's just kind of peeking through the crack of that uh space door which they're all gonna die behind that's the point of this movie that's that's <laughs>
3: and i kind of want to piggyback off of what riley said but aaron i know that you the you have a firm belief that you know some of these characters could have lived and they very well could exist in the Star Wars galaxy. And just because they were not in A New Hope doesn't mean that they didn't actually exist or they couldn't exist in the rebellion. And I think Riley has a great point, which is this is a story about sacrifice and you get hope through sacrifice, and often. In the real world and in war and in the way that things actually go down, it is the ordinary individual that sacrifices of themselves to give hope for a greater cause. And that is the very real message of this movie. And I think that had they not sacrificed themselves for what they knew was right, the message of hope would not be as strong as it is. And so I don't think that it's necessarily like their deaths were because they aren't in a new hope. It's because we had to see each individual person with their contribution to the sacrifice for this thing. And they did it so well. K2SO's job was to get them to the Death Star plans. He completed his mission, he died. Bodie Rook with his his part of it was to get them to where they could transmit the plans and they could communicate as soon as he did it they died early he died and the same was true with Bayes and with Chirrut there was a little bit more complicated because Baze also needed to find his way back to the force and so but as soon as that happened they died. And I think that is super key. And I think it leads to a very interesting conversation that we can have with our children of today about sacrifice and hope and about what it takes to be selfless and to be able to do something for, you know, something that's much bigger than yourself. So I don't know if that, if that is any you know helps you at all in any way? But
2: <laughs> no, I well, I'm not saying it's a bad like I think the decision they made to kill everyone off, it worked for the movie. It made the movie better. Just yeah, that's I'm not saying it shouldn't have happened. I just was saying going into the movie, I wasn't necessarily expecting them all to die. But when it happened, I was just like, oh wow, that's crazy.
0: <laughs> yeah, like yeah, I was, <laughs> I was saying. They won't die, even though kind of like inside I knew, but I just didn't want to admit it to myself. Uh, But Teresa, I have to ask you, um, I I know you probably didn't because it came out rather late, but did you read my spoiler free review for the film? Uh, No, I (sighs) really titled it Sacrifice and Hope. Oh, how it's cool. Like, I'm so <laughs> on page with you right now. Like, those words, that's literally <laughs> my title of my Rogue One review. And because it's so true, it's without the hope that it will do some good, without the hope that, you know, this is a cause huh. worth fighting for, worth dying for, worth losing everything for, worth sacrificing ourselves yeah. for, none of that would have happened.
3: Well, you know, here's the interesting thing, okay? On this show right now, we have two individuals that their lives, their entire lives have been devoted to sacrificing for others because you guys have grown up in a military family, and that has been your life, and it continues to be your life. Um, And then we have two people like me and Aaron who have – you know, sacrificed our lives in different ways. You know, I mean, I'm a teacher and all that stuff. And, you know, Aaron, you do so much just with your family and with your kids. I mean, you, you sacrifice going to so many conventions and things like that because you have people that are important and that you care about. And, you know, you've, you grew up with, forget how many brothers, (laughs) and you know, and in a way that I think you understand this just as well as the rest of us do. But it's it's interesting because I think as we view sacrifice and hope, we view everybody views it through different lenses. And while I know Bob Iger said this movie does not have any outright political or whatever messages, I don't think it has political messages, but I think it has messages about the state of the human race and its being at this current point in time that we we that we can tie into what's happening in our lives and I think that's one of the beauties of Star Wars is because every single movie does that every single one
1: amen preach. Uh,
3: I don't know where I'm going with that, but (laughs) y'all were supposed to take it from there, but okay. Um, all right. So moving on, let's go light and fluffy now. Uh, let's talk about what might as well get into characters. Let's talk about K2SO. Uh, and we'll go favorite lines first and I'm gonna go first because I don't want y'all to steal mine <laughs> 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 I don't want you to steal mine so my favorite line is actually there's been several but I've been kind of narrowing it down and after the third viewing I finally decided when Bodhi is telling Jin like what would happen if they can't get through the shield gate and you know we basically you know crash into it and evaporate and die he's like not me I can survive I can... in space.
1: I... And he's, like, talking to himself. <laughs> <laughs>
3: it's so dry. He's like, not me. Not
1: me. <laughs> oh, I
2: didn't yeah. think anyone would pick that one. That was going to be mine.
3: <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, thanks. so you can't, you can't have the same one. That's the, that's the trick to this game I am playing. So, girl, ladies first. So, Bethany.
0: <laughs> one of
3: mine is...
0: When he tells, he says, "Jin, I'll be there for you. <laughs> Cassian said oh. I had to. <laughs>
3: <sighs> all right, Aaron.
2: Oh, man. Every line is, every one of his lines is one of my favorites, or is my favorite. I think they're all equally great and funny. Um, Let's see. The one... I'm back to you. No, no, no. I, I have a couple and I'm trying to. I don't want to say them both because I don't want to steal one. But uh, let's see. The one where he is holding her bag and, and she's kind of like, oh, I'm afraid they would, you know, miss you and shoot me. And he's like, that doesn't sound so bad. <laughs> As yeah, she walks he just away. Her, and he, he just drops, drops her bag. Her bag.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh,
3: All right, Riley, you're up.
1: Uh, man, there are so many good ones. Uh, you know, I, I don't know why, I, there's something about a sarcasm that I think is embodied in the line when he walks up and he's like, there were a lot of explosions for two people <laughs> blimping in. <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah. You know, along with that whole scene, he's like, I thought I told you to stay with the ship, Cassian says that. And he's like, I was bored.
2: <laughs> and you were in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the one where, okay, I'm going to give a second one. The one where he is like, do you know what the probability is that she's going to shoot you with that gun? Oh, <laughs> Very it's, high. High. It, or
1: it's, it's high. I see Alan Tudyk. And then in it waits moment. a couple of seconds. Very high. <laughs> uh, oh, man, I forgot. I forgot. I, I take mine back. The absolute favorite one. This one gets the biggest laugh in the theaters all three times I've watched it is when uh, he confronts the stormtrooper and he's like, where are you taking these prisoners? I am taking them to imprison them in prison. prison. <laughs> these are prisoners? <laughs> these are prisoners? <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah. and he's like, "Quiet!" And there's a fresh one if you mouth off again.
3: See that part? That's not as as funny to me as the imprisoning them in prison. It kind of goes back to oh, I forget—is it Attack of the Clones or Revenge of the Sith? Where he's like, "Coruscant," or is that Phantom Menace? It was Phantom? Oh.
1: Coruscant. Uh, that doesn't. That comp- doesn't
3: compute. Uh-huh. Uh, you're under arrest.
1: <laughs> under arrest. You're under arrest. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you taking them?
3: So I want to talk about something with you guys really quick. And I don't know if you guys want to get into every single character because that could take a whole hour in and of itself. Um, But I want to ask you guys about how we as podcasters and bloggers sort of nitpick stuff apart. Because as I listen to reviews, I'm like, wow, we, we really do tear things apart. And then I... Tell my mom to listen to some of these shows, and she does. And then she tells me, "Why do y'all just tear things apart?" It's made me think about the way that I that I approach my podcasting, because I think we look for stuff.
1: Oh yeah, no, no, absolutely. Like, um, because this, what's what was what's been the what's the Rotten Tomatoes at right now of this film? I'm trying to. 80 something fresh right it was yeah it was it just did great with the critics it did really well with uh with the audiences yeah it's a 85 and then with audience at 90 and that's that's just rotten tomatoes it's just kind of a a a blind metric but i I, it was it was popular people loved this movie uh it hit a lot of the right notes with star wars it's been extraordinarily popular i kind of alluded to it Uh, a while ago but it's having an extraordinarily strong week at the box office the weekdays it had like uh 17 million dollar day monday tuesday and wednesday quickly taking it over 200 million which takes it close to the force awakens first week because it's had such a strong week and that's kind of nerdy box office numbers but broadly speaking it's important to note people like this movie it's a popular movie. Pete, You heard about the Star Wars? People like the Star Wars, um, and they do. And what I don't understand is this remarkable need to. I don't. I, I nitpicks are fine, and, and I don't have a problem with somebody having uh, issues with. Uh, like a big a nitpick, I hear a lot is like the the Vader pun, uh, where he's like, "Careful, you don't choke on your ambition
3: or aspirations."
1: Huh. Huh? Get it? Like, yes, I understand. Yes, that's kind of a funny moment. If it didn't land for you, I understand that. But what I, uh, I, that's fine. What I don't understand is that making the list of nitpicks and then defining that as your movie experience. Because I defy you. i The broad majority of people walked out of this movie having a great time, loving this movie. Everyone I've talked to uh, pretty much had a great experience. And i I don't think it's fair to chew out anybody who had specific criticisms. I think it's just important that we do stop, Teresa. You're absolutely right and and consider the way that we have a conversation around this art because that's what this community is built on and the way we decide that we're going to talk about it and the way we what we choose to focus on is very important. At least I think so. Completely. I
2: I think it goes both ways with Star Wars blogging, podcasting. I think you have you have times where we, be, because we've seen these things so many times and we know Star Wars inside and out, we can be nitpicky. But it's also part of what you do as a podcaster. If you're going to talk about something for an entire hour or more, you're going to f-
1: talk about the good and the bad. Um, yeah. Like I, how Ben Mendelssohn really has a lot of spittle in this movie. Let's be honest. He's <laughs> 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 <Cameron! laughs> just like. <laughs> Which but, I love, by the way. It's so great. I defy you to now not go watch it again and just really notice just how much oomph, uh And by oomph, I'm really putting the emphasis on the oomph part of that. <laughs> it's so great. And once you notice it, it's kind of a fun little tick that you notice when you watch the movie.
0: Somewhere out there. talk about that. Someone is going to do a great Critic costume they're going to get on YouTube <laughs> and every time they say something there's going to be spittle flying and they're yep. going to swirl around and whip the cape around and it's going to go snap and they're going to say something this is and...
1: my achievement cape snap <laughs> <laughs>
0: just it, like everything just like an entire critic parody I, I would love that I
2: love this cape mm.
0: man I, but Aaron see well, I where you I was,
2: was going with that
0: about real this. quick uh-huh.
2: Where I was going with that real quick and then I'll and then we'll go to you, Bethany, uh, was that I think the other side of the coin is that sometimes Star Wars fans can be too like too much positive about a movie and not honest about it. And so yeah. a, a movie where there are some some glaring issues with it, and we kind of just wave our hand because we love Star Wars so much that we're just we just give it a pass, whereas other people that are aren't as into it as us may be like, uh, oh, you know, you guys are just being fanboys, uh, for lack of a better term. So I think it can go both ways. And I know when the uh, when the first review started coming out, when the red carpet event happened. Oh,
1: that was that's so true. And everybody was just
2: like, "This is the best thing in the world. This is the best movie I've ever seen." And I was very wary of that because I was yeah, I was like, me up, be "Honest, Aaron." Yeah, I was like, "There's no way it's that good." And you know, this is just a bunch of Star Wars fans saying a Star Wars movie is good. And so I I'm going to wait until I see it myself.
1: I, I, apologies for the interjection, but I definitely tweeted out in the midst of those initial reviews coming out of that premiere. I do really appreciate the the subtlety of the critiques coming from the premiere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a, best mm. movie ever made! Yeah, no, it's, it's so true, Aaron. Bethany, you are saying?
0: Well, I was just saying that while that aspect is true, and, I mean, it would be really hard to come out of... The freaking premiere event of the movie and something you're super excited about, and you travel a long ways for, and you put all this time into, and you're seeing tons of people who are really excited. I don't know what so you you're just talking get about. So excited about.
1: I don't know what you're talking about. but Bethany. if I got the golden ticket and flew all the way across the country to California to see the premiere of the next Star Wars movie about which I've been podcasting about the franchise for the past seven years, I would be 100% level headed coming out of that movie theater. I don't know what you're talking yes. about. I would be like the picture of of. Of critical thought.
0: I'm sure. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah.
1: The side I am getting. So, what
3: were you saying?
0: So, but at the same time, because we talk about them and we feel like we're supposed to, I, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I think most people have a podcast or blog or website or or just a big social media platform. Any combination of the above, they they feel the need to try to be honest and upfront with their fans and followers and friends because they, I mean they they're they're not gonna just straight up lie and say that everything is wonderful and everything is perfect and everything is great., uh, but in the name of being fair and honest and, critical in the sense of acknowledging flaws, not not tr- trying to just trash a movie, but in the sense of being honest, uh, we can look for flaws. So I have found myself doing that whenever I do a review of something, I find myself far more actively looking for flaws than I do when I just try to enjoy something.
3: Well, you know, I think what we do is we initially we attempt to enjoy it. And then as we talk about it, we start breaking stuff down. But I think what I'm kind of specifically talking about is we've sort of broken down like the CGI of Tarkin and Leia and all this stuff as from what I've heard. And the general public, they don't (laughs) notice it. They just think that it's great. And they love the fact that it's in the movie and they don't have a problem with it. Yet we're over here going, well, uh... You know, he moved his eyes a little weird, or his mouth wasn't on Riley.
1: You know, in that uh, in that first line of dialogue, I thought the lip syncing was a little off there. Uh, <clears throat> it was, uh, well, you what, know, I thought it's been better yeah. with the. Uh,
0: and whereas, like, we've talked to people who don't follow Star Wars all that closely, and they literally thought he was an actor. Uh huh. Exactly. know that it was CGI.
2: So what does everybody on here think? Like, did ever, were, was there an issue with the CGI for any of you, or was it completely awesome?
1: I thought the lip syncing on the first line of... That, no.
3: Okay, and on all seriousness, really. <laughs> so, for me, I knew Peter Cushing was dead. I didn't know they were doing CGI, and when he turned around, I was like, No way! What?! Yeah. And oh, I was yeah. really confused for a while, and then I saw Leia, and I was like, Uh... Huh? (laughs) And so afterwards, I when I finally got to talk to people who had seen it, I was like, "What happened?" And they're like, "Oh, it was CGI." And I'm like, "Oh, Oh,
2: because I thought it was real." No, I
3: no. (laughs) Just thought it
2: was amazing makeup job.
3: (laughs) This is so cool. That was me.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Now, I guess for me, I had heard rumors of this being done. Uh, for the Force Awakens and looking back on it now those rumors were probably coming out of something that was a concept for Rogue One at the time as I heard the rumors this rumor for the Force Awakens uh, kind of dismissed it obviously it didn't happen for the Force Awakens and totally forgot about it until I saw this so the second I saw Tarkin's full face I knew immediately that it was C CGI. And I did have a slight bit of, um, the uncanny Valley effect, but a huge part of it is because I'm so familiar with Peter Cushing and have such a strong knowledge of him being dead that I'm sitting there in my chair thinking like, Whoa, this is so cool. How did they do that? It looks like 99% real life. I mean the one there's 1%, but 99% real life. And then I realized it took me out of the movie because I was literally so impressed But I think in the future, you know, we've had this with Tony Stark. We've had this in one or two other films.
1: Yeah. And I think after we see
0: it a few more times, I will be used to the concept so that I'm not amazed by it and kind of taken out of the plot of the actual film.
1: Yeah. And I I thought they could have rolled the R's a bit more. (laughs) Uh, You prefer a target? A military target. Then name the system. Yeah, I loved it. I like literally when 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 his face turns slightly to camera, and you're just like, you see the reflection, right? And you think, well, that's all they're going to show you, and then Mm -hmm. he just turns to camera. Bethany and I literally, it was one of like two or three times in the entire movie that we both just like stopped watching and looked over at each other, like they went there, they did it, and they sure did. Yeah, it
2: that was the first moment of the movie that it really blew my mind. That they went there um, and like you said when he turns and I see Peter Cushing's face and even though I know it's CGI immediately it still was like oh my gosh like Tarkin is in this movie he's not just you know a little cameo from behind like he is part of this movie he is in the cast and they pulled this off and it it really blew me away it didn't bother me I mean it was it wasn't until the third viewing that I was like really looking at his face like intently trying to pick out what was wrong um where it got a little like okay that's you know very CGI looking um but I will say right now that the Leia one I thought was perfect. I know other people say Leia was worse than Tarkin. That's- but I, I loved it I thought Leia like I looked really hard earlier today when I was watching that movie looking at her face as she was speaking those lines and to me it looked like a person
3: yeah exactly yes, I, agree.
0: I agree yeah I'm totally with you Aaron
2: I think people that say it looks really fake are people that are just they're looking for or they they just have already told themselves oh this is CGI so it's fake but I think if you're honest with yourself, they nailed that like ninety nine point nine percent that looks like Carrie Fisher.
1: Yeah, no and when man when that ah, when that door opens and you see just the the white robe yes yes. So
3: to kind of bring this sort of to a close unless there's anything you guys want to add in here before we talk about this last thing, are we missing anything?
1: Yeah, true. there is one.
3: I'm gonna talk about the ending. The ending is coming. Oh,
1: we're, but we're definitely missing one, and I, I okay. hate to break go in. for it. Go. I mean, I don't. It's it's not. You know, it's y'all show, and I hate to, but I go, feel like go go. It would go, be go. unpatriotic of me not to pay tribute to the true savior and the true, true hero of the Battle of Scarif, and that's Admiral Freakin' Raddus. Ladies and gentlemen, let's oh, pay yeah. tribute to the man, the myth, and the legend. You know what? While well, everyone's arguing back on the rebel base, and they're all like, I don't know, should we help them? I don't know, what's not? And then Cassian's like, no, I'll take my guys, we'll go. But hey, there's only 20 guys, they need actual ships. And then there's that one moment where we're like, all right... Deploy the Rebel Fleet! Uh, ma'am, we've, uh, Admiral Raddus has already, uh, taken off. Because he's Admiral Freaking Raddus! And he's the best! Like, in the third viewing, I just made him my true hero. And I just cheered at every single piece of dialogue that he had. Because he's the man! Admiral Raddus, everybody. I feel like we just had to say. yeah.
3: No, I mean, I love Admiral Raddus, actually. I think it was awesome. I love that he has, like, a see-through floor... So he can just see everything that's going on beneath him. Like, that was so cool. The only thing that I was bummed about was the fact that, oh, we do have one other thing after this. The only thing I was bummed about was that uh, there was no, like, little Admiral Akbar cameo, you know, being like, it's a trap, sir, or like something stupid.
2: (laughs) As I was watching the movie, I was thinking to myself, why didn't they just make that Admiral Akbar? You know, it's such a similar character, and he obviously was around at this time. He's been in Rebel, or no? Has he been, he's been in the Clone Wars. I don't think he's been in Rebels yet. But has he? Somebody correct no, me. No,
3: he's been in Clone Wars.
2: Okay. Um, so I'm thinking, why isn't this Ackbar? And then th- this—it took the third viewing for me to realize why it couldn't have been Akbar because Radis dies. There's yeah, no, no way that Vader left anybody on that ship alive
1: oh no and so. and and, it, and it's it's kind of i'm i'm kind of making light of the fact that it, he's kind of an aside character, but he's so beautifully developed and so consistent. By the way, based on Winston Churchill, uh, in some of the behind the scenes, that's what the kind of general look and attitude was. And like he's the war hawk of the group, and I love that. I love that there's a Mon calamari war hawk uh, amongst the Rebel Alliance, and the fact that he just jumps with his fleet and his fleet only ahead of everybody, and the and it's just like don't only make a big deal out of it. I just love it. And and also, I, I guess because I, and and one more thing, I I forgot. Uh, I I can't talk about Rogue One at all without talking about the moment that every time we've watched it, particularly that first viewing. Uh, Bethany and I did one of the early screenings. It wasn't it was a press, but. Plus public screening. It was on the Wednesday night before the movie, and so they had public
0: in the sense of like people who had won big
1: contests. Yeah, like radio, local radio contests, and like a few VIP types, and just like a mixed bag of of a broader selection of audience. Which meant it was a really rowdy crowd, which I loved because when. Uh, the squadron leaders jump out of hyperspace and land in the middle of the battle. And he's all like, This is gold, leader. Get set up for your attack run. I'm like, Yes. Yes, gold leader. I am set up. I am set up for my attack run. Yes, Uh, literally the whole place went. you know, there's a lot of like applause moments like when Vader first shows up or for the for the uh, Lucasfilm logo. And there's quite a few moments where there's applause in the theater. There was one moment when the entire theater was started loudly. It just erupted with hoops, hollers and loud applause. And that was when all of the squadron leaders that we all know from A New Hope uh, showed up. It was awesome.
3: Goodbye, Red 5.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Goodbye, Blue Squad. I feel so bad for Blue Squadron. Yeah, they had the-
3: poor Blue Squadron. All right. Well, there's one thing we do have to talk about. We just have to. The Rebels Easter eggs in this movie. <gasps> yes. Oh, my God. Some of the best parts for me were all the things that were Rebels. So, Aaron, what was the first one you noticed <laughs> when you thing- watched it?
2: Uh, I think we all kind of saw, or most of us saw the trailer. You can't
3: use that one. You can't use that.
2: What? When you
3: saw it for the first time. So you can't use the one from the trailer and seeing the ghost. You can't use that.
2: I'm just saying that's the one I noticed, or at least around that time period when they all jumped into battle, and because I already knew to look for it, that's the first Mm -hmm. time I noticed it in the movie. Um, Upon viewing it multiple times, I caught the ghost a lot more times than just that, Um, and it wasn't until this last time that I saw Chopper.
3: Now, what about the General Cindula line?
2: I heard that first time clear as day. Yeah.
1: As soon as they said her name, that one's pretty. That one's pretty on the nose. There were a couple that were little on the nose. All right, me, all right. Nitpicky Riley got, gets take. I'm putting on the nitpicky hat real quick. Uh, he said, reaching for his Santa hat, which I do happen to have as a prop here. That was the video video, um, and that was that. Some of I felt some of the Easter eggs were a little on the nose. Really? Know, what do you guys? So, yeah.
2: what do you mean on the nose, specifically for the rebel stuff?
1: So yeah, for the rebels one, it was mostly just the general Sandula line because it's like right at the top of the mix, and it's a little if you if you've never watched Star Wars Rebels, you would suddenly be thinking, "Wait, who's General Sandula?" and that's gonna come up again because it's like in the center of the sound mix really loud. It's just like General Sandula, by the way, David Collins did the voiceover for the for the line, but uh yeah, it's General Sandula. General is there a
3: Jeeba? I argue that that's that. not actually true. What's up? It's it's not that loud. You could miss that.
2: Actually, the funny <laughs> thing is, I missed it. I I caught it the first oh, viewing. No and, way. And then my
1: second really? viewing, <laughs> I missed it. Maybe I uh, maybe I was just listening to it too carefully. I, to... I
0: think you were because like I did catch it the first time and I was like, Sindula, Sindula, Sindula. And then the movie kept going and I kind of, you know, forgot about it temporarily. Yeah, but and, I, and to be fair,
1: I, I maybe didn't, I, I didn't and continue. I probably unfairly like painting some of the other cameos or Easter egg moments onto the Rebels moments. The ones that were a lot more was like Panda Baba, Ponda uh, yeah. Panda and the uh, that was definitely it's like or or the blue milk. There were a couple of things like let's make sure we. Well, zoom. the
3: blue milk was right there in the middle of the screen like, that, like, that, Hello.
1: That, that's kind of like that's almost like hurting your nose. <laughs> it's, it's uh, but it was fun. I I like him. I, I mean, none of that ruined the movie for me. Um, like a good friend of the the show on on Stars Tonight. It
0: didn't ruin the movie dro- for you. I okay, I disagree. Continue, but I Wait, called it dibs ruined, on the next. part ruined. The, no, uh, i I'm exclaiming. Like, okay, so I'm- Star Wars Rebels uh-huh. has a group of rebels uh-huh. that are very key components to the actual rebellion. Like, Hera is a key figure in the rebellion. If she wasn't in this movie, she should be dead. Like, to me, if... if If they're not in this movie, if like all of them weren't in it, I'd be like, oh, great. The rebels crew is just going to die. Or if they don't die, it's going to be stupid because at least a couple of them should have been involved in this giant mission slash battle slash the actual rebel base. So to me, it was actually necessary to include some of those references uh, for the sake of continuity, because it would be unrealistic again, unless they're all dead for none of them to be involved in the film.
3: That's a very good point. However, I do want to say, though, that some people are saying, like, oh, well, because only, you know, Hera and Chopper are in it, then everybody else is dead. We don't know that. We don't know that. We just know that at this point with what was happening, Hera and Chopper and the ghost were around. That's it. That's it. That's all we know. Mm. The movie didn't spoil anything. The movie didn't say everybody else died. They didn't say that. I'm just pointing it out.
0: (laughs) True, true. And and like, again, I'm not saying that if they're alive, they have to be there, because they could be on other super secret missions, or they could be spying somewhere, they could be chasing down very important other leads, or maybe they're just way, way far out on a mission and couldn't make it back in time. Uh, but... For none of them to be involved, I, I would feel again like it it just was wouldn't be realistic.
2: I think it would be cool if they actually use the the animated series to lead up to this major event, this battle of Scarif. um. Mm-hmm. And kind of have that as the big finale of the show, you know? I, that would be awesome. I think that would, because I it's... it's
1: one of them, I don't know. They should get, like, one of the main characters from Rogue One that had, like, a key role and introduce him into Star Wars, or her, into Star Wars.
3: Oh, oh, yeah. Maybe, like, Saw Gerrera? Uh I, I don't should. know. Maybe? Voiced by Forrest Whitaker? Sorry, I'm so... I'm really excited about that. <laughs> I'm Saw Guerrero.
2: <laughs> <So this> is... <laughs> oh,
3: it's
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> the <of> the dream. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, this this happens a lot in the house these days. Like I It's such
1: I... a strange I was not expecting that voice, guys. I'm sorry. I was not expecting that.
0: <clears throat> Saw was done so well. Like I know that some people had an issue with his character, frankly. I loved the character, and I thought that it would be a natural progression for somebody to take who lived through both the ravages of the Clone Wars and the early stages of the Rebellion.
3: Well, hmm. my issue with him is not that not what he was in the movie, but was... I need to know, and I'm sorry for language here, but I need to know what the hell happened between... The Onderon arc, and now, because what in the world?
1: I am the exact. In fact, allow me to repeat. has
3: gone cuckoo
1: bananas. H E double hockey sticks happened between, because, and that's the problem with Rogue One, not because of, not, I don't blame this. It was was a conscious choice. I probably would have made the same one, but I think it's a substantive. Shortcoming in su- in in many ways. We need more material. We I wanted to see Bodie Rook make a sacrifice, and I wanted to see him defect, and the reasons he defected personally, because that would make his sacrifice at the end more impactful. I wanted to see how we. F- what happened to Sagrera and how he became the insane version of himself? I wanted to see how Cassian Andor had lost everything. Not just take them at their word for it. It's that old movie saying, "Show, don't tell." And that was <laughs> one thing. If that's that's probably the one thing that isn't an actual nitpick for me. And even then, again, that was only something I really kind of was thinking about upon subsequent viewings. But I think that would have really helped, made those that those final sacrifices even more impactful.
3: Yeah, I want to see how Newt's Commander got all of those animals into that
1: briefcase. (laughs) (laughs) That's the other movie. (laughs) Yeah, which by the other movie, which Rogue One, by the way, already has beaten at the box office. And you know
3: what? I don't care. Newt's (laughs) Commander is amazing. Anyway, Aaron, what about you?
2: So I would, I'm going to go on the opposite end of it. I, if I'm going to be a little nitpicky, Saul Guerrero was my least favorite part of the movie. I thought the character was pretty bland and just you know just this crazy guy and i don't know it just to me that stuff is the whole thing with the monster that can read your mind to to me seems so pointless they didn't really need that you know scene they didn't really explain what information they got out of him. you know it didn't really lead to anything uh if he was telling the truth or not um I don't know. And I thought the prosthetics that he had with the little like that little plastic breathing mask is so real world. Like it looks like he just literally went to the local hospital and stole it from their supply.
3: Well, yeah. He's like, he's a mini he's a mini Vader.
2: It just it it was that it was kind of distracting, the little plastic mask and it, they tried to make it so dramatic, you know, when he he pulls it up to <laughs> his face and the music and, and then he snaps it back down onto that metal ring and it's like boom boom. And I'm like, am I supposed to be laughing at this part? Because it's really cheesy. That was the one thing that happened in the movie that seemed kind of weird to me.
3: I was kind of scared at that part. I thought he was going to like whoop someone or kill someone or something. You, I just need to understand what's going on with Saw. Really, I think is what it comes down to. I need to know. I demand rights to speak about him next. Go, Teresa. I'm done.
0: (laughs) Okay, all of you are so wrong. Uh, especially you, Riley. Uh, but
1: What else is new? <laughs> uh,
0: saw? Yes, we don't know what's happened between Onderon and this insane... I, I mean, I do think at this point that he's at least a little bit insane and very paranoid individual who is extremely hardened. I mean... He might be a rebel and he might be fighting something evil, but he is by no means uh, a good character in the sense of, you know, basic treat your prisoners with some kind of decency and not torture them type of a thing. I saw at this point is a hardened criminal, if not almost an outright terrorist. And I think it makes sense because, again, he went through the Clone Wars. And he did a fair amount of fighting there. And what we saw went okay. But then we have the fact that he is the only rebel faction uh, outside of the Ghost crew to actively and openly fight against the Empire. And can you imagine? And you you see this happen in the real world, where if you have a small guerrilla force that is fighting a very large government that has power and resources and finances, things get dirty really quickly. Uh, I mean, guerrilla and terrorism tactics are used both sides. Especially if the government yeah. doesn't have my I thing mean, is you, you have this happening in Syria right now. Basically, there are really not. Any good guys in the definition of you can't say, well, the people fighting the government are just the the uh, great great examples of humanity and following the G- Geneva Convention, because that's not the case. And it's, it's getting a little real world here, but that's but, why I really like, like the character of Saw, because... That makes perfect sense. And it he does. Is the faction it makes... of the Rebellion who's openly fighting the Empire, and that has devolved into murdering and assassinations and these horrible guerrilla tactics of what? trying to do some sort of damage to the Empire with a very small force. It makes sense that he would get that way and it makes sense that his group would suffer terrible tragedies and atrocities at the hands of the empire that would turn them into a we will do anything to bring down the empire.
1: Yeah, and, and I 100% agree with all of that if we saw any of it. But we have to assume the atrocities, the terror, We have to. everything is implied, and that's what I think the missing piece is. I would agree with all of that if we saw the losses that he faced, or if we saw the battles he fought, or the horrors of the Empire against his we insurgency. We see that
0: in his body when he says, there's not much of me left.
1: That,
0: I mean... I- to me, that's a very poignant picture of he doesn't have to say, well, I was captured by the Empire at this point and tortured by this person. And then I was in this battle and lost this arm. And, and then this happened and this happened, you know.
1: I, I Yeah. No, I, I I see. I can <laughs> see that. And certainly if you I, I, and I absolutely accept that as his backstory, it took like it takes two or three watchings of the film to understand his backstory and, and who he is without that immediate connection Um uh, Of of not seeing it on screen because there is a difference, at least for me anyway.
0: Well, Mark Harleman agrees with me.
3: (laughs) I agree with Bethany.
0: I love you, Teresa.
3: I love you too, B. (laughs)
1: Aaron, we're just going to sit in our corner over here. (laughs) (laughs) We're just going (laughs) to.
3: All right. Okay. Okay. Well, if you haven't seen some of the different. Uh, Rebels tie-ins. There's the ghost ship. There's the point when they call for General Sandula, And that is not her father. It is her. It's been confirmed by Dave Filoni. Um, there is a chopper moment where he rolls by and some other really cool things. But let's get into talking about this ending and how it ties into A New Hope. And that is how we will go out on this particular episode of Star Wars Book Words. Um, who here... Like almost peed their pants because they were so scared of Vader. Everybody, show hands, hands. Mm. Me. My hands is My weight. hands, mine's up, mine's up. I'm trying to hit the ceiling over here.
1: I'm like that Tuscan Raider in the beginning of uh, <laughs> in A New Hope. I'm just like raising both of them. Aaron? My gas sticks in the air. I.
3: <laughs> Aaron's like really I. He's like I quit. No, <laughs> I <don't> I've. <laughs>
2: I've played The Force Unleashed so much. It's just I've this Vader has happened for me. You know I've read the you know Lords of the Sith and I've read you know Dark Lord and you know it, this version of Vader where he just goes and chops everybody down. It's something I've seen before. I know I've never seen it in a major Star Wars motion picture, but it was it wasn't like this unexpected moment. Um, yeah, I loved it, but it wasn't like this. It didn't blow me away.
3: Ah, oh, come on. Sorry,
2: one of us has to be Seriously, more level headed, right? No. no,
1: no, no!
3: That's no. ridiculous talk so, for you, I'm sir. I'm walking
1: out of the corner where you were, and I'm getting in the corner with Bethany and Teresa <laughs> on this one. Uh, but I have cookies over here.
3: Oh, uh, trying to lure people to the dark side, <laughs> yeah. are you? With your with nope. your dark side cookies?
1: it's the well i mean i already kind of went over the the idea of the way it portrays the rebel soldiers i think they're the true that's the true power of the scene comes from the the soldiers and the data chip not from vader's power now granted his power that i mean that's awesome and but that is a given that's that's sort of part of and we all saw it was awesome but like darth vader handles business like what a scene Uh, I did I ever. All right. Here's the question. Did I ever think that I would find myself watching a Star Wars movie just like cheering and pumping my fist as a bunch of rebel soldiers just get slaughtered? And the answer would be no. And is something probably wrong with me? The answer is yes. Uh, But, you know, I I I like to think of this scene as a friendly reminder to all of us and our thin connection with mortality uh, because it was just amazing.
2: I love that they decided to use Vader in the way they did. You, we don't get too much Vader. We have the scene with him and Krennick, which was great, you know, the dialogue between the two characters, and then you have that end scene. And that's all you need. You know, that's all you needed of Vader to make the point, you know. They could have been tempted to put him in the movie more, a lot more fan service, but I think they used him sparingly and they did it so well.
3: Yeah I agree and you know that ending scene I was just sitting there trying to not scream throw it through the door throw it through the damn door just, <laughs> God, Leigh, what are you doing quit banging on the door asking for him to save you you are clearly gonna die. Give them the plans! Give them the plans! Like, this is the dialogue in my head. And then he finally gets it through the door, and then everybody starts tripping, and I was like, for the love of (laughs) (laughs) peace!
1: I would love to be... (laughs) uh, Teresa, we need at some point... Man, we all need to be in person at some point before this thing goes out of theaters, because I really want to watch that scene with Teresa sitting next to me. (laughs) just like, (laughs) like, Jesus uh, Christ! Especially, yeah... Especially as we get towards the end of the release, and we can all take our Star Wars friends and see it for the seventh time when no one else is in the theaters, and we exactly. can
3: exactly, just- so I can just be like, run, <laughs> like that's me, that's so me, and then you know, oh my gosh, this is the end for me, and the way it ties into a New Hope like seamlessly, like you could just watch them together. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. don't know there was just something about it that I was like I'm am so amped up right now like they pan to her and she, she turns or they turn the camera or whatever and she's like it's hope and I was like damn right it's hope it's a new hope yeah that's just I was just like woo and then I can't wait you know she's like we're on a diplomatic mission he literally knows you're lying like he <laughs> knows you are lying <laughs>
1: He you watched you Because I saw you 15 minutes ago. And a tracer. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, oh, man. Vader, though. Like, the first time that I saw that scene, I was no kidding, like scrabbling to to back up further back in my theater seat which wasn't possible and pushing against the armrest because i was seeing it in 3d imax at atlantic station and i felt like vader was going to come <laughs> through the screen and just slice me in half with his lightsaber and it was incredible and aaron i agree with you and that i love the way that vader was used for this oh man just yeah he was used perfectly for this film and he wasn't overused. He wasn't underutilized, and and I
1: liked the pun, darn it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly. Um, but like I and I've played the Force Unleashed too, so I I've seen this concept of Vader, but never on a giant screen like that, larger than life, 3D IMAX. I
3: just wow.
2: Can I make a statement? I think that... No,
3: it's not your show. You're not allowed. <laughs> <Just> kidding.
2: <laughs> no, I just want you guys to think about this. And I kind of talked about this to Bethany already um, outside of the show. But the, the fact that you could take this movie, Rogue One, and have the sequel to Rogue One be A New Hope and have it just be two Star Wars movies. And that's it. No other Star Wars movies exist. And just those two together make an amazing story. Like an amazing duology that, on its own, could stand as some of the greatest, you know, sci-fi films that there are.
3: Oh, totally, totally,
2: absolutely, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, you don't need anything else. And I, I really want to watch. I actually have not had a chance to watch A New Hope since watching Rogue years, One. Years. So yeah.
0: we have, we started to watch it and then didn't get a chance to finish it. But I'm not too disappointed because I know we're going to watch it over New Year's.
3: All right. Well, let's go ahead and bring this episode to a close. And I don't know if any of you have been able to figure this out yet. This is going to be really, a really hard question, and you may not be able to answer it. Oh, so yeah. you complete the fifth. But okay. where does this movie now rank number wise in <laughs> your numbers of Star Wars films? I'm going to go to Riley first. Ha <laughs> ha. Yes.
1: I'm I am well prepared. I'm glad you asked, Teresa. I am well prepared. Um, so here's the original order. Not that I'm a nerd about this. And you know what? For everyone who just says, you know, I don't rank Star Wars films. they uh, they're all special to me. I, to, to, to that I say, screw that. I like it's a fun exercise. It doesn't mean anything other than it's a fun intellectual thing to do as a fan. Let's all party together and decide who our favorite Star Wars films are if we disagree, Well, then we'll just cut cut off communication with each other forever. Sounds
3: good. (laughs) Go.
1: So the original ranking for me is Empire. Then it's A New Hope. Then it's Revenge of the Sith. Uh, After that, it's The Force Awakens. Then Attack of the Clones. Then The Phantom Menace. That's my original order. Now, where I slot in Rogue One right now, having seen the three- Did you skip Return of the Jedi? Oh, yeah, I did skip Return of the Jedi, didn't I? Uh, <laughs> this is... I, I did it so fast. I skipped right over it. Uh, it's because it doesn't rank that high. I'm kind of sorry. Oh,
3: uh, you... you mm. <laughs>
1: it's the first yes. act. It's, uh, whatever, I won't get into it. Um, anyway. No, so we're yeah. So it's uh, Empire, A New Hope, Revenge of the Sith. Then it's The Force Awakens. Then it's Return of the Jedi. Then Attack of the Clones. Then The Phantom Menace. Uh Yes, uh, man, I feel like Teresa's is ready to fight me, guys. Uh, I'm, I'm feeling a little nervous here, actually. Um, but, but, and, and, but for me, right now, where the Rogue One, uh, where Rogue One, a Star Wars story fits in, is right above The Force Awakens and below, uh, A New Hope. Uh, excuse me, n- below, uh, Revenge of the Sith.
3: So that's numbered what four? Number four. four? Right. Okay. Um. Aaron, are you ready for this question, or do you want me to go to Bethany?
2: Yeah, I can go. If we're doing, I like this. I love this conversation. I love ranking stuff. I like you know hearing what other people think about stuff. It's like um, critical. I my original ranking would be um, currently, and it changes sometimes. But A New Hope is, as my favorite. Return of the Jedi, The Force Awakens, Empire, Revenge of the Sith attack of the clones and the phantom menace coming in dead last by far and this movie right now i would slot in hmm man right above revenge of the sith so it's the force awakens and the original trilogy beat it out so it's it's in fifth
3: it's in interesting
1: fifth.
3: okay bethany
1: <laughs> okay. help, I'm just gonna take some measure me, me. of pleasure as Bethany. You
3: shut
0: what up. Do you think, uh, what do you think?
1: What uh, do you think? So your order. Well, what's your current order? Without it? okay,
0: <laughs> I n- I'm not sure that I ever actually reordered my Star Wars film rankings after The Force Awakens.
1: We've got a whiteboard right here. I'll I'll move around. Hang on. I'll write it down as we go.
0: Okay. We'll, uh... So prior to The Force Awakens, my order was Empire and Revenge of the Sith. Constantly fighting each other for first place.
1: That's what I'm talking about.
0: So it could literally be my mood as dependent on which film that I liked better at that point in time.
1: That's what I'm talking about.
0: After Empire and Revenge of the Sith, it would be um, A New Hope, then The Phantom Menace, then Return of the Jedi, and then Attack of the Clones.
1: Wait. Hang on, sorry, you guys, I'm actually writing this down on the whiteboard yes, in the studio yes, yes. here. <laughs> so, The Phantom Menace, Return of the Jedi, uh, and Attack of the Clones. Yes.
0: Now, once The Force Awakens happens...
1: Wait, that... you, rank, you rank The Phantom Menace above Return of the Jedi? I'm just pointing that out, Teresa.
3: Uh, <laughs> Wait, what now?
1: <laughs> <laughs> All for right. for those of you who are following along at home.
0: All right, so it's Empire, Revenge of the Sith, A New Hope, The Phantom Menace, Return of the Jedi, Attack of the Clones.
1: Uh, Force Awakens, where does that go?
0: So, The Force Awakens either goes... This is a very
1: scientific process, ladies and gentlemen.
0: Either goes before or after A New Hope, and I'm saying before.
1: Really? So So, it's uh,
0: Empire, Revenge of the Sith...
1: Take that, Biggs Darklighter.
0: The Force Awakens. Then A New Hope, The Phantom Menace, Return of the Jedi attack the clones
1: and then ladies and gentlemen the drum roll is bethany is now gazing upon the might i I add the beautifully written whiteboard as you fit in rogue one here live on star wars Uh bookrooms this is an exclusive ladies Uh and gentlemen
0: Uh Uh see see it's only because i like you teresa that i'm doing this because if this was the star wars report i would just be like no
3: (laughs) okay so where does it go
0: Oh my gosh.
3: <laughs> this is, this is oh, a struggle is so here,
0: hard. ladies and gentlemen.
3: This is
1: what's very well, Can I very play difficult? the Jeopardy thing? Like, Somebody play the Jeopardy I, thing. I'm
0: not playing here when, when this like hurts my this heart. This is a religious a experiment. Make a choice. Make a
3: choice. This a TFA.
0: Honestly, it might beat out The Force Awakens.
3: <gasps> oh, okay, so that makes it number what?
0: That makes it number three.
3: Number three, ladies and gentlemen. We have a chance. Okay, but, okay Riley. Riley.
1: But, but, sorry, what?
3: Riley. Okay, so you put oh. it at number
1: four. four. Yeah.
3: Aaron put it at number five. Five? Okay, Bethany just put it at number what? Three?
0: Three, maybe four. Okay. We'll see. Three, after maybe four.
3: Watchings. Okay, are y'all ready? You ready? Yes. Ready? Let's hear yeah. it. yes. All right, so br- prior to Rogue One, this is my order. Return of the Jedi, number one. one. Force Awakens, number two. Phantom Menace, number three. Attack of the Clones, four. Revenge of the Sith, five. A New Hope, six. Empire, seven. That was my original order after Force Awakens came out. Okay, you ready? Rogue One is number two. (gasps) Number two. But But my order has changed a little bit. It's changed a little bit. So number one is Jedi. Number two is Rogue One. Number three is Force Awakens. Four is Phantom Menace. So those sort of stay the same. I just plugged in Rogue One. Now, yes. this is where it has changed. A new hope has moved up from being second to the bottom to being fifth because of the tie in to Rogue One. Ooh. It has moved. Well- and that. Push just down, Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith, and now Empire is still at the bottom because it's always at the
1: bottom. I feel like this could be a great reality TV show. Just the drama that ensued. <laughs> just <laughs>
2: We all have such different rankings, which I find interesting.
1: I know. Yeah. I yeah. will say
2: this. I think that people that are ranking Rogue One so high, we are coming off of this, like, just saw the movie, and we're still caught up in the excitement of it it's still in theaters you know we're probably all going to go see it an, another time if not more than that and so i think that it'll like kind of gradually fall down in the rankings a little no, bit
3: that's not how it is for me it that's blows not my why.
2: mind that you could have it at number two but that's a that's a, that's a further conversation outside of this
3: i well let me just say why really quick because i can say it really quick the messages in this movie and the way that it hit my soul as a person and the things that I love about Star Wars, which is that underlying connection of all things with the force and the power that I get with that through cheer it made this movie number two for me. That that piece of it, like it's it's so important. It's like for me, it's like like, the everything. Empire, for me, does not have any of that.
2: The other I mean, advantage just, this movie has, too, is it's it's a story in and of itself. It's a standalone movie, you know, as they're calling them. Whereas these other movies all rely on each other. Like, something like The Force Awakens, we don't even know the rest of that story yet. You know, we just get, we only have one part of a three-part story. The best of is yet to come, maybe, for that. And it may, like, you know, once we see the second and third parts, it might change our minds on the first so I think it is, it's almost hard to even rank these together because
1: this is I have the a, only standalone. I have a philosophical question this presents. What do we do in five or ten years when we're still doing this exercise? <laughs> we'll still do it.
3: <laughs> we'll still do it. We'll still do it. All right. Well, that brings us to the close of this episode of Star Wars Bookworms. Um, Riley, where can people find you and what's going on with the Star Wars report?
1: Oh, uh, you know... There's a, there's a lot we could do, but if, if you listen to Star Wars Bookworms and you and you like what Aaron and Teresa do, which you absolutely should, don't listen to the Star Wars Report. It's like, we're just a bunch of hacked off, uh, not hacked off, uh, hacky, <laughs> uh, crazy. We're, we're, we just, we're, we're nuts and we just go crazy on like Star Wars news. But here's what you should do. Um, You should go to StarWarsReport.com slash about and just take a look at the full selection of shows. We've got a lot of great shows, including Star Wars Bookworms and including some other great shows on the network, like the Wombat Lair, like Star Wars Beyond the Films, and of course, Star Wars Report and, and more that are all doing this Rogue One awesomeness. So if you want to catch more Rogue One reactions, I encourage you to check out all of our family of shows uh, right there. And and if you really want to, fine, just uh, search for the Star Wars Report uh, wherever you find podcasts.
3: All right, Bethany. Uh, you know what? I already know where people can find you, but are you doing anything that you want to share?
0: Ooh, okay. Well, I do have Some podcasting stuff that's secretly in the works, so stay tuned. Ooh,
3: secret podcasting
1: exclusive for the Star Wars Bookworms audience!
0: All right, so if you know what my major is, you know what aspect of Star Wars I'll be delving into.
1: That is a subtle hint. Oh, yes, very (laughs) subtle. Yes,
3: that's subtle.
0: (laughs) You guys are like, Wait, what major did Bethany say she was again? (laughs) Uh, yeah. Uh, but you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat—basically everywhere you can look at Bethany L. Blanton. And I do writing for starsreport.com as well. And you can find me on the Star Report podcast. Uh,
3: so yeah, stay tuned. Yep. And Riley is at the Riley guy on everything. Since he didn't plug himself, I will do it yeah. for you, Riley.
1: Oh, you're too kind. Too kind. You, you
3: know, almost- remember when he used to be the the. Uh,
0: Jedi Riles.
1: Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah,
3: yes. Yeah. He's still Riles to me. We knew You will
1: Riley.
0: always
3: be, we, will you always will always be my Riles.
1: Aw. Well, I can't think of a better way to end the show. Thank you, Teresa. And you know what? I'm so glad that this finally happened. It only took us 17 years. There you <laughs> go.
3: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, you can find us in be- you can the- find us in between shows. We're Star Wars Bookworms at gmail.com. On Twitter, we are at SWBookworms. Uh, we have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash star Wars bookworms. Aaron, I'm just going to finish it out unless you want to chime in.
2: I, I do want to chime in. Okay, go ahead. Cause since we are a book show and we'd be remiss not to at least mention some of the, uh, tie in materials, I would highly recommend people going out and picking up both the art of rogue one and the, um, visual guide, especially the art of is amazing. It has all this behind the scenes stuff and, and um, it has a lot of information that I was very surprised to hear, and kind of the making of the movie, and and things like that. So I would definitely recommend getting that stuff. Now you can end yeah. the show.
3: All right. Um. So you can find Aaron on Twitter and Instagram. He's at Av Goins. I am at Ice Cold Penguin. So for Aaron, for Riley, for Bethany, I am Teresa Delgado, and this has been Star Wars Bookworms. Aaron, you get the last line.
2: Keep on reading. Yes. And may the force be with you.
1: <laughs> Aaron, you're supposed to say, uh, uh, I am the force, and the force is with Which me. Is with me.
2: <laughs> that nobody told am... me that. Did somebody type that into the chat? No, no,
1: no, no we didn't. It <laughs> was just. The force wills it? Or, ah. <laughs> uh, Such <laughs> a missed
0: up- opportunity. Oh. Aaron's like. Oh.